Hello and welcome to the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank Garcia Hale. I'm Pat O'Brien, and we are very excited, super excited, to be joined today by our very special returning guest, our old pal, Katie Cole, is with us. Katie, welcome back to the Pumpcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, cheers. <laughs> cheers to you. It's great to see you. Um, we have a lot to catch up about. Um, I guess the first question is, you know, I think we last spoke in, it was the end of 2020. Was that, is that I think it was like yeah, late, was late 2020, November or so. How have you been since then? It's been a long haul since then. How, how, how are you? How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. It's a complicated there. question, I know. It's a big question. <laughs> yes, it's it, has it really been that long? I thought I thought even part of me was like maybe it's been longer than that because it's like um yeah, it's uh, we had a big stretch of time that all felt like it was the same month and that I went know. for about yeah. like t- 10 months, 11 months. I know. I know. I think we I che- I I was like was it a year and a half? Was it one year I, I, November um 2020, I believe, is when we first had you on the show. Just yes. For, well, just it had this. to have been. It had to have been after, um, after I'd finished working on the Sia record for the yeah. Pumpkins, because mm-hmm. I remember we Absolutely. chatted about that. I we can't did. remember whether it had come out yet or not. Um, that's the only thing in question in my little brain. But it doesn't matter as long as you guys remember. Then that's great. Yeah, <laughs> we. Um, we and we yeah we have our our old uh, episode to reference so that yeah we did we chatted about this year album and now of course you know there's a new pumpkins album which um, people have probably seen that you you and Sierra also made some contributions to which we will um, pry about you know we'll try <laughs> you know we'll talk we'll <laughs> definitely want to talk about that but yeah you have your own new music happening and. Um, yeah how how is how has life uh, how's life been in your uh, in your world as a musician and and just you know as a as a person? I mean, so much has changed over the last two years, but also things haven't at the same time. So it's, I mean, I think the best thing about um, what I've been able to do as a creative person is being able to sort of pivot in different directions. I mean, I took so much of my time during. 2020 and 2021 playing I I started to launch like monthly online concerts because you know you can't it's not that you can't play out but like so many um so many elements of playing live were kind of stripped from a lot of musicians of feeling safe feeling comfortable or you know or downright venues that just closed and said no for a period of time um so I had gigs cancel and so I thought well there's a lot of people that love music and crave like content of music and live shows and so I started to do the live show um live streams online um just to kind of balance out that I don't know the sense of community you feel at a I mean it's not the same thing like because when you go to a venue it's like you're seeing someone and then it's like you might be grabbing a drink or like you're like this place smells weird or who's do I know that person (laughs) over like there's all these elements of Mm -hmm weirdness that are familiar weirdnesses um yeah that's 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 not really a phrase but it is now it is now it is now exactly <laughs> i said it it's real now um but at least to play live streams you get to kind of at least have a sense of community and that even if it's just in the chat room people talk amongst themselves or text amongst themselves and mm-hmm. you see all like the clap emojis come on the screen after you finish a song all the stuff i've been doing is is mostly by request um 
So I've done like 70 shows, 80 shows, um, you know, whatever I've done, like rock. Uh, I've done theme stuff, soul, just random other stuff, um, Christmas shows. And the one I've got coming up um, is a on Valentine's Day. I had people mm-hmm. vote, do you want me to do love songs or breakup songs? And it, it swayed in the direction of, of like – no love songs, so I'm doing right. like all, all sad and breakup songs, and it's 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 hilarious the song list I have, which is great. Um, and then I started to pivot to, well, what can I do with my music because I, you know, I I can't really play these band shows. I want to play band shows. I want to record. I want to do this and this and this. And I started to sort of think about like the songs, the songs of mine that have been sort of embraced the most, and they. You know, I went, you know, into my little brain and went, well, it's mostly been songs of mine like um, All My Winters and Time On My Hands, which are the more scaled back sort of acoustic songs. And I thought, well, what can I do in that sort of avenue? So I started to sort of potter around with the idea of doing a more acoustic sort of situation and started thinking about what songs I was, you know, what songs would work and what songs would work as like a collective group together and you know, before I sort of really kicked things into gear so much, I thought, well, I'm going to launch another Kickstarter. I haven't done a crowdfunding thing. And well, since I was on the In Plain song tour with the Smashing Pumpkins, which was 2016, that's the last time I launched one. And it still takes time for things to come out because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I released, I released singles and singles and I don't think I put that EP out until the 2018. So it took like a year and a half to sort of put that into motion. Um, to me, good music still takes time to make, um, but having the the funds and the support to do it means that it means that you've got people that really actually want to hear the music you're mm. putting out and that are supporting the actual project that you've got in mind too. So I launched that Kickstarter and that that was successful and that was mid. What was that mid? For, I mean, it's really first quarter of last year. Um, so that was around what April May of last year. It's been me sort of scrambling in the studio to, you know, finish songs for that. Um, I've still got to do a little bit more recording, but before I can put out um, the first sort of EP from that project, it looks like there'll probably be two EPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've put out one single so far from that project. Um, the first single of that was called um, River Flow. Whatever it is. And I have put out other singles that I had sort of stored up in the Katie Cole collection of, of you know, songs because I'm not, I'm not that sort of artist that I'm like, and here's everything. Mm-hmm. I like people to focus on like one thing at a time because it's, it takes so long to put together high quality music that I don't think it's – people might think of it as disposable, but to me it's not. To me it's like – I'd love for you to have everything that I've everything that I've got right now, but I, I I know that people, if you give them ten songs, they're going to focus on three or four. If you give them right. five songs, they're going to focus on two yeah. or three. If you give them one song, they're going to focus on one. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just play the numbers game, and I thought, well, if I can put out a single at a time and do that, like every two months or every month and a half, put out a single or a single and a video, and just keep things going. So that's really how I spent so much of 2020 and 2021 was just putting out um, existing music and once this Kickstarter had sort of been done, I got the first single out pretty quickly 
Um, yeah, and then reverted back to putting out other singles that I already had. Um, it's it's kind of it's it's been considered crazy because I know that people are like, well, you got this, but then you also had that, and it's like people don't realize that it took so long to make all this other music. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if people understand that it's like this isn't brand new. I made this already, and I've just been waiting for the right moment, and that moment is now. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm also not hugely interested in putting out like a bunch of the same music all at the same time. Because mm-hmm. I also don't want to bore people. Um, knowing that everyone's kind of got ADD a bit, like just right, this pandemic yeah. has made us a bit like uh, I don't know. Like I, f- I felt it. I felt it in myself. So I assume that other people feel the same way. Like it's mm-hmm. part anxiety, part sort of numbness, and part sort of like I can't really pay attention to things that I. It takes me a long time to get into that mode of like full focus of like okay, mm-hmm. I'm doing this one thing and everything's got all my attention. It's just too easy to like pick up your phone and what's happening on social media or cats mm-hmm. or you know whatever it is. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's I don't know if things are ever going to return um, to be whatever what they were. So you know, quote unquote, what they were. Um, so I'm, I've got that in mind. Yeah, yeah. It's like a weird combination of being understimulated and overstimulated um, yes in terms yes. of your attention yes. like we have a real deficit of like um life like actual life not lived you know but then so much mm-hmm. news and so much worry and concern and anxiety like you know that you absorb through your phone it's, and it's challenging and i mean that's i mean that's part of the reason that i mean doing like the live stream thing I feel like people need it, like need Mm -hmm. something that feels like an event to go to (laughs) (laughs) because it's like, like having like your phone and like, okay, that's my life. You know, that's Mm -hmm. not real. You know, that's, it's, it's really kind of damaging emotionally. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm very aware of that. And I know that, yes, I'm saying, oh, you know, log in and watch a thing online. That's another thing that you're watching on your phone or your computer. But there's other, there's actually other people there. And I'm actually talking to you and this is real. Um, You know, I think that's been fun. Yeah. And we we wanted to talk to you a little more about that because, um, I mean, one thing that all of this, you know, obviously as a performer, as a musician, you were hit hard or you know firsthand the difference between like being able to tour and do regular shows and what we've been dealing with the last couple of years. But the last couple of years have proved that there, even in a world where like home entertain, people are so thoroughly entertained at home, you know, people do, yeah. it's, be, it's become clear that people do really miss and crave concerts, movies, you know, like just collective experiences. Yeah. So you've been able to, um, or you have done a lot of these virtual events and, you know, like you said, it's kind of like adapting to the times, but have you found any unexpected kind of joy in that? Like, obviously it's different than a traditional concert, but like you said, you've kind of done these sort of specialized by request shows that maybe probably, I don't know if you had ever done that in a live traditional context, like an all request show um but has that been satisfying it it has it it really has and i mean like i grew up my you know my live performance um you know whatever you want to call it apprenticeship my very long apprenticeship in australia was playing covers you know mostly Mm -hmm. covers you know five six nights a week or whatever for you know years and years and years so i'm very used to playing other people's material um there's a very big difference between playing other people's material versus playing your material and mm-hmm. 
you know, I didn't have too much of an avenue to play much of my music in Australia because it just didn't allow so much for that. Um, so once I, you know, moved to America and started to really pursue my career and touring and whatnot, I really sort of got into the groove of what it means to be a live performer when you don't have it's very it's very different when you're a very, very established artist and you've got like a hit song you can pull out of your pocket and play right. in the middle of other songs that aren't that familiar maybe to your entire audience. Whereas as a original artist, you might play a show and you have to play the game of do I want to play a cover during my set to familiarize and to relax the audience to go, you know what this is, so therefore you might like this. Right. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. It's like you might know what a hamburger is. Now you want to try an Impossible Burger. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> terrible analogy. But it's the equivalent of just there's a comfort level that comes with understanding um, who an artist is, what they represent, and f- feeling comfortable with them. So that sort of dynamic is something that I built over years to then go back to, well, doing stuff by request is then a very different story because I'm – taking a personal angle with these songs that are familiar um, and they're also by request. I mean, some of these live streams I've still played like an original song here and there um, or I've played a mostly original show, but I also don't want to wear people out on my music as well. Like if I'm playing like the same, you know, handful of songs, like if I'm playing a show a month and playing the same songs or playing Mm. the same sort of songs that have been singles for me, um, I also don't want people to be like, meh. Right, right. <laughs> Have an audible meh. Um, so, I mean, it's it's really a let's get together and hang out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it ends up being. So I see a lot of the same um, names and faces and some of the people I recognize from social media, they're f- existing fans of mine that, have tr- that are traveling over and some people have been, just been on um, the, web- the website I use the most is called Stage It. Um, that's where I do my live streams. And some people are just like familiar with the platform that they will see who, what shows are coming up and who's mm-hmm. suggested like, cause the, the website features my shows a lot. Like they'll pop up like, and on blah, 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 there's Katie Cole playing with it. You know, you'll see right. my little, my little poster come across the screen. So I know that there's people that just travel over that are like, what's that? Um, mm-hmm. and then they'll discover what I do and there's links to my, you know, websites and blah, 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 blah. Um, it's been, as I said, more of a community thing mm-hmm. and a hangout and, like, I'll still chat in between songs or I might tell stories or someone might say something in the, you know, the chat function that sort of spurs a conversation about mm-hmm. this or that. And it's a – even though it's a concert, it's still a hang in a way yeah. and that's that's offering something that – um you know, I've still got pro sound and, you know, all that stuff going on. Like it's this sort of, it's this setup kind mm-hmm. of um, for the most part, um, except uh, with reverb. Oh, um, nice. Oh. So, you know. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so <laughs> we have to use more reverb on ourselves in this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just moments of The reverb. audience would love that. Just a whole podcast just with reverb. So, just no, no, just so that it. you can be like, I, I know that people are just listening to this and they're not, they're not saying this, but so you can be like, and then he walked in and. It happened. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna play with that. <laughs> Make whatever, it more whatever of a, it is. More of a little movie. Well, that it sounds like. <laughs> right. Would you say? Because obviously, like, um, you know, you think of live versus virtual. I think at first a lot of people would think like, oh, there's a you know a loss of um, 
intimacy, which is obviously, you know, for obvious reasons, you, you know, that's, that makes sense. But it sounds like, or, or would you say that have there been sort of new, like, um, I don't know, new pockets of intimacy that happen, like with people like getting to go to multiple shows and kind of ta- chatting directly with you? Ha- has that been a result of the virtual thing? Well, I think for those that have discovered live streaming um, avenues, like the ones that that I do, I think those types of people, like people that really love music and are total mm-hmm. music buffs and literally require it, um, I think those people are the ones that have probably find themselves going down the rabbit hole of finding different shows and they'll go to multiple mm-hmm. shows in a day or if it's like a Saturday or Sunday, like I always pick a Saturday to play because I figure – no matter what time zone you're in, even my Australian audience, I played at a certain time so that it's their morning. It's a Sunday morning, right. but it's still a weekend and they're probably going to be available um, to tune in. Um, I, I think those people probably, I think there's a benefit to it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I chose a platform that wasn't Facebook. And like I've done Facebook streams for other companies and other people and I've done Instagram lives and Q&As and things like that. But to get you off those social media sites to a particular concert platform, I think, mm-hmm. makes it feel more like a venue. Right. It's not. Again, you're not going up to the bar and you're not like, hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, you're not doing any <laughs> right. of that weird stuff or whatever. Um, but it's still that that ability to be distracted is kind of taken from you. Yeah. If you're tuning into a show, you're going to watch the show. And if you've right. got to leave early, you've got to leave early, but you're committing to watching a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not meditative, but it's – at least it's like you're committing to a period of time where you're doing this one thing and not doing three things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's healthy. Yeah. Um, it's healthy. Whereas if you tune in, you know, anytime you're on, especially on Instagram, you see like the red things come up live, so and so live. So it's so easy just to be like bing, bong, bong. Mm-hmm. And that adds to the anxiety, that adds to the, the white noise. And I think mm-hmm. my, my goal was just to do something outside of that. Right. And also introduce people, you know, that – and it's interesting to get to know fans as well because the songs that they request, sometimes it's like, whoa, okay. Like someone that's like I think is a total alternative music fan that's like a total like Pumpkins fan or total Nin fan or whatever and then they're like, um, you know, can you play some Judy Garland? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Can you> play- <laughs> yeah. Whatever the request is and you're like, okay. And, you know, you forget that, like, people people that love music love music. And mm-hmm. that spans genres and decades and styles and a great song's a great song. It's interesting just to get to know the fans by the choices that they make. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it also bridges that gap between, like, I always think, well, I'm an Americana artist, I'm a singer-songwriter. It's It always used to kind of weird me, not weird me out, but, like, it was interesting to see so many of like the pumpkins and alternative rock fans come over to listen to my music. And I was always like, why, you know, and I started to, you know, realize, well, then it's, if you listen to like Billy Corgan's solo music or, you know, you know, Cotillions or any of his solo records he's put out, they're very folk um, Mm -hmm. in nature. And there's a lot of elements there that are similar to what I do. And people can, people that like that, well, of course, they're not going to – it's not too big of a step to go, well, I also like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see these other music fans that are, again, you know, I love like the super hard rock songs and like my, my, if I do like a rock show, they might request like this super like rock song 
and then I'm doing like another genre show and it's like someone's requesting ABBA. And I'm like, right. you know, it's it's just interesting to see, to learn more about your fans. And again, it, it seems to be the same groups of people that show up to these um, live streams. So it's, I don't know, it's, pers- it's really more personal in that way that I can talk to people. I can call mm-hmm. people by their name. I can see what they're saying in the chat function while I'm performing. Um, so it's getting to know people um, and not just... When you play a show in general in a venue, you're performing at the audience. You might have general conversations and be engaging and tell stories, but there's no to and from. There's Mm -hmm. no I'm talking to you and you talk back to me and then it's not – that doesn't happen. It's just a really a one-way performance in a lot of ways. There might be audience interaction and laughter and that creates a little bit of back and and forth, but it's not a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas these types of shows, it tends to be that way, which – I think that's the point of difference. It's a, re- it's actually a conversation that's a live conversation. So mm-hmm. that's in, that's very engaging. Yeah, that sounds like a really positive thing. Um, and not that we had, and we, you know, we experienced that our, uh, ourselves a little bit with this podcast too. Not that we, I mean, we just so happened to to launch this at a time where it kind of coincided with the pandemic. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice to kind of have a way to feel like you're. Um, meeting new people at, at a time when we sort of weren't able to really do that and, and, and get in connecting with people yeah. too, for sure. Yeah. Oh, good. That's really good. So Katie, um, with river flow and your new single, uh, dreams of mine, mm-hmm. are those two part of the rivers and roads EP? Correct. Feels like a heart attack that won't go away when Yes, I've, okay. I've been ping, ping-ponging releases a little bit. Um, just, uh, again, because so, I'm still making this project and I can't just be yeah. like, and here's the EP. It's, it's not done. Um, it's, okay. it's been a, a challenging... Um, I got, again, I got funded for, from Kickstarter, but it's been a challenging um, uh, project to organise because so much of my producer, Howard Willing, so much of his time as well has been spent working with the Pumpkins and... You know, he's, he's been working on the new record with them since, I think, I mean, it's been, he's worked on that for almost 15 months. It's been, like, basically since the end of the Sear record, it's, he, they went straight, like, Billy Corgan doesn't stop, so he goes straight into yeah. another project. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I've had two weeks off, whatever it is, you know, and what, and this is what's happening now. I mean, he's had a few breaks here and there, and, we, you know, obviously we got in to do some initial recording think it was uh was right after i got funded from kickstarter we did the first um sessions um so i mean i'm basically f- i'm four songs in at this point of this ep i'd like to get one more before it's um before it's released um as a you know a package but it's it's been a timing thing and and again yeah. like as soon as i've got these big spans of time when he's been away with the pumpkins doing their thing I'm I'm like, I'm always writing new songs and I'm like well maybe this should be this like I have all these songs like I have a cupboard full of songs I always do um but it's you know sometimes it's like well maybe I want to say this now maybe I want to say that now but often it ends up being well I still go back to these songs that I love that I've written that I know are the right ones to come out and maybe I'll just tweak the lyric a bit more and rewrite this passage to mean a bit more or to relate to what's happening right now and um it's a yeah 
being creative is, is interesting in that point because one day a song is the right song and then the next day it's another song. Mm-hmm. But then, the, then yeah. the following week you go back to song number one and you're like, no, that's – Right. That's still re- that's that's still yeah. relevant. Sometimes new is new, and then sometimes new doesn't mean better. Right, um, yeah. But it's a you know it's been a challenging process, and now like the you know the pumpkins project is almost wrapped up. It's it's got a little bit more to we've got a little bit more to do with that. But like my time, like my entire December and my entire January were spent um, working on that. Um. So yeah, it's just a lot. It's it's thirty three songs, so it's been a lot yeah. to. I, I, I'm not very good at multitasking. Like I, I know that about myself. I know a lot of people aren't and think they are, and they're like, "Great," and then misspell an entire email. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm not, so I know it's better for me to do one thing at a time and focus yeah. on it 100, percent and then and then pivot and then pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, so once this is done, like done, done, um, I feel like I can, yeah, get back in the studio and actually start uh, chipping away a bit more. But I'm very excited. I mean, I feel like I. My goal for this whole um, this whole Rivers and Roads project has been just to have songs that are a little bit more scaled back, super relatable, and something a bit more heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Like I started, I started to do that a bit um, with the the last sort of full EP that I um, released, Things That Break um, Part One, um, just to not edit so much out of what's happened. I, I found that to be you know, I mean, I'm optimistic in nature as a human being and I st- w- realised I was doing that a lot with my songwriting, like writing the best version of this story or the, you know, the best outcome for this story and that's not always what actually happened and that's not always what people will resonate the most with. Everyone wants to hear a great story. That's mm-hmm. true. But people also want to hear the truth and if right. I'm editing out some of the story, it's not the entire truth. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes the truth isn't super um, super black and white. Sometimes it's complicated. Sometimes there's no resolution. Right. And that's okay because sometimes you'll write those types of songs that have, you know, a truth that's the, or a story that's about struggle and that's exactly what, need, what it needs to be. It doesn't need to have the outcome. It doesn't need to have the happy ending. It doesn't need to have anything. It just needs to be what it is. So many of my favourite songs have been that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, all they've been just interesting and weird stories about this or that. And, I mean, what's Hotel California about? I don't know. <laughs> you know. But, you know, when you think about it, when you think about it, um, I don't know, I just started to get into that mindset and stay in that mindset of not not editing out, like editing out what you want to, um, making sure the details are are as expressive as possible, but making sure that the truth is really kind of, if it's going to be honest, make it brutal. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Does that does that play into the title of um, Rivers and Roads? Like, I mean, just the fact of like, because I always think, you know, Rivers and Roads, just a path forward. Is that yes. kind of play to what you were just talking about? Is that why that influenced the title of the EP? Well, yeah. I mean, it did in the sense that, I mean... It's obvious. It's a very obvious title because, you know, they are about traveling and I do a lot of traveling and I do a lot of journeying and every uh, every time, especially when I've been on tour or been in different countries, like it always reminds me of who I am when I'm out of my element 
or when I'm being pushed to go forward or when I'm uncertain about where I'm going. Everyone always talks about being in the comfort zone and nobody ever talks about being in the uncomfortable zone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But when you're in the uncomfortable zone, again, with a super catchy name, um, (laughs) it, it makes you evolve in different ways. And you either react, so, you know, some people when they're in their, their uncomfortable zone, I'm just going to keep saying it. Maybe it, will, maybe it will sound better as I keep saying it. It'll be the next DP name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be like, I'm, sorry, I'm playing danger zone in my head at the moment, but to the uncomfortable <laughs> zone, just f- feel free to play that in your head too. I was thinking um, of um, the t- like a version of the Twilight Zone where it's not like supernatural things don't happen, but just like slightly uncomfortable things happen, you know, just people <laughs> who, sort of like- who, who, moved that, who moved that in the fridge? Right. I don't <laughs> think do, I do, put do, that do, there. Do. Yeah. <laughs> what did I come into this room for? Do, 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 exactly. <laughs> but when you're shoved into something a little bit unknown, and I mean, so much of my journey with the um, with the Smashing Pumpkins, and really since I moved to America, if I want to sort of be um, honest about the time frame, has just been about, well, I can stay doing what I'm doing and I know what's going to come from that. Will that make me happy? Not really. It won't make me unhappy, but it won't make me super happy. It's not really what I see to be the best outcome or what the best outcome for myself could be. Um, and every time I've sort of said yes to things that are super uncomfortable, um, I've learnt a lot. I've either mm-hmm. nothing, nothing. I've never misstepped or you know made huge mistakes from saying yes to a lot of strange things that I've said yes to. But it makes you grow um, mm-hmm. yeah, very rapidly. I think I think that's what's the best about it because you're forced to push yourself a bit harder, um, focus a bit deeper, um, stretch different muscles, and again get out of what you're comfortable with. Get out of that zone. Push your own boundaries a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, doing moving to America, uprooting, and then, you know, continuing to say yes to things that are unfamiliar to me um, has kind of put me in this sort of perpetual mindset of, well, I didn't know I could do that. What else don't I know that I can do? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't know, that's never sort of left my mind um, since I sort of jumped ship and moved over to the States. Um you know, and like I never, you know, I never thought, well, I'm going to play Madison Square Garden. I'm going to do this and that. And I'm going to do all these things. Like maybe some people grow up and think those things, but I, I'm not that person that I'm, I'm not like, I'm king of the world. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I'm king of the fridge or whatever. Um, I think that's, yeah, I think Pat and I relate to that because, you know, we come from, you know, comedy and acting and writing and, you know, when we started out in our early 20s, we had pretty big ideas of being like, we're going to be the biggest comedian or uh, writer in the yeah. world. And and now where we're at in our career, we're like, oh, we, we like to work, you know, and it's like we're happy yeah. doing work and not having to be on a marquee or anything like that. Uh, yeah. Not being on Sunset Boulevard on a huge billboard. It's like we're we're pretty satisfied doing the work that we do. Uh, but even then still being like, what am I doing? What the fuck is this? (laughs) What is this life? Can I sustain this life? Uh, that kind of plays into your, your single, your new single a little bit. If I'm reading into it a little bit or kind of following the lyrics from listening to it, which the new single is fantastic, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, dreams of mine, what, what you were just talking about, does that play into the themes of that song? 
Well, yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly, it's exactly kind of my journey, which has been, you know, I came from a pretty low income family. We didn't have tons of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, my mum was pretty much a single mum raising two kids and, you know, you see the struggle, you see what's not easy. And, you know, when you, you know, when you grow up and you're like, well, I want more out of my life than that if I can build that. But at the same time, it's like, well, I also look around and I'm like, I don't know if I can sustain what I'm doing exactly what you said. I don't know if yeah. I can keep doing this. I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know how long this road is going to keep being paved for me. I don't know, you know, if I'm going to crash and burn. I don't know. There's so many, there's so many unknowns. Like anxiety is real. Um, and I'm optimistic about my future. But it's like I have n nothing to fall back on, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. You we know, and that's, and that's super, like... That's super terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's yeah. part of the thing that people say chasing your dreams. You know, and not like, I, I, of course, I moved to Los Angeles from Australia and people are like, you know, you're pursuing your dreams and whatever it is. And it's like, what are dreams? You know, like it's a pretty broad term. Mm -hmm. It's Is it just what's un, unattainable? Is it just what you don't know that you can have? Is it what you really want but don't know how to, you know, capture. Um, for me, I don't know what, what I dream to aspire to. I still don't know. I just know that anything that makes you happy, that's the thing to lean into. And anything mm -hmm. that you think makes you a bit stronger is the thing that you can lean into. Absolutely. Um, but ultimately, the things that make you happy and stronger or wiser or whatever those things are, aren't always easy. They're usually right. not. And usually it's only in hindsight that you can look back and go, Okay, well, those are the things, you know, mm -hmm. those are the things that make me happy. But, like, if you look at the path that led you there, it's like, well, that was super hard. That was, that had, that in involved a lot of tears or that involved some fighting with people or yourself or the situation or overcoming this obstacle or that obstacle. I mean, this song was really part of that um, struggle that I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But I also look around and people in every walk of life, whether you, you're super wealthy and successful or super not wealthy and really, really struggling, we're all kind of in the same boat. We're all kind of here together and we're all kind of here struggling together. And even those that are super successful or perceived to be so um, aren't always the happiest, even though that's what we think of success and think of, you know, you dream to have this and that and... It, it really, again, what I was kind of saying before is I dream to have more of joy, more gratitude, more things that make me a better person. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I sort of aspire for. But yeah, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get there. I just know that I'm not satisfied with where I was in my you know, previous lives or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I don't know, a lot of people are probably in the same boat and, and are mm -hmm. like, I want more and I don't know what to do about it or I want right. a different life or I want to be happier and I don't know how to go about that. A lot of people are very trapped in their circumstances um, and that's, you know, that's that's a real shame and people that are in creative roles, we have the, you know, f quote, unquote, freedom to 
pivot and to change and to adapt and create this other thing or change this and this and this. But like what we we're both, dis- you know, all, all discussing before, it's um, how long does that last? You know, mm-hmm. how long can you keep doing that for? But I'm optimistic. You know, I'm always yeah. optimistic about my circumstances and, you know, I still know I'm on a path and I'm trying to do things that, you know, no one else has done or no one else can do or few can do. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I just try and lean into the joyful moments, the gratitude for the situations that I've been in, for what I've achieved, the people that I've met, the places I've been. You know, sometimes it's just looking up at the sky or the trees or nature and just going, this is a good day. You know, mm-hmm. that's those are the things that I try and pay attention to the most and create more moments of. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the struggle is really the thing that's the most present in this song. That was a super long explanation, sorry. Yeah. Well, it is. No, it's, 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 we feel it. And, we feel yeah. it. and scene. Yeah. Scene. <laughs> Great monologue. You mentioned, like, you're, you're sort of leaning into the, the more heartfelt, which the song definitely, definitely is. That was the first thing I thought. It's, like, very soulful, very heartfelt, you know, a really beautiful song. And just kind of what you said about um, leaning into what's difficult and or what's scary or what's um, uncomfortable, it mm-hmm. like I think that's a really key thing, and it's kind of something that comes with a little bit of maturity, you know. Because um, I don't know, I feel like you like your initial instinct in life is to sort of avoid. Um, pain or avoid discomfort right i mean like mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. but when you learn by experience that those moments are often what um evolve you and you can mm-hmm. kind of tune your instrument a little bit to sort of um to not be afraid of of um doing that as a practice you know leaning into the discomfort it's still going to be uncomfortable but um it's not it's it's a good way to live i think over overall to to not be afraid to be afraid if if that makes sense yeah no that's a that's yeah. a very good way of putting it i like that because you will be afraid, be afraid you know it'll still happen but um the feeling yeah. to if the feeling doesn't scare you away that's a good a good place to be um, yeah yeah. Well, that I mean, that's it sounds like you've been very productive and you, you know, you mentioned um, when you wrap up your work on the the, pump, the new pumpkin stuff. Is that does that mean you still have more to do that you're you're still going to be? Um, yes, there's another there's another session to do for some additional work. Um, I can't I can't say too much just yet, um, but it's all the, you know, quote unquote background vocals have been done on this project um, when they. I mean, there might be some other – I don't think there's much more in terms of any other music that they're overdubbing because that's really what took place um, at the same time we were doing background vocals. There, there, there were a couple of, like, vocal day rests where um, Billy and Howard Willing would f- finish doing, like, music on this song or that song that may have been needing, like, one or two extra parts. But, yeah, I mean, when I started working on this um, particular project, again, 33 songs, like, if that's not – I mean, I thought the Seer project was a big project because it was 20 yeah. songs. And it was. Yeah. And, and it was. Yeah. And it was. But it's like, and like, I know how much time I put into that prior to going to the studio. And I did almost the same amount of time I spent creating, you know, initial background vocal arrangements for this. It it took almost a full month of work. Um, and then we went in, whatever it was, January 3rd or 5th. I don't have my calendar in front of me to start these sessions and, you know, it was a, a full month of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it was, you know, and we, it was the same same approach pretty much as last time. Um, you know, Billy would listen to what I, you know, what I created and might tweak a part here or there, remove this or that, replace with this or that. But it was really just adjusting what was what was present there, what he likes, what he didn't like. And, you know, many of the songs it was like, you know, this, 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 it, you know, this works, this works, this works. Or adjusting this one word or shortening that or saving that for this part here and um and then going ahead and tracking and allocating parts out to Sierra, like, you know, I sang a good bulk like I did on Sierra and allocating, you know, a few parts here and there to Sierra, who has a, you know, quite quite a big uh quite a big uh, voice tonally. Um so, you know, some songs it's like she needs to be super present in this song, but not so present in this song because it needs to be more this tone or that tone. Mm-hmm. You know, some songs were allocating some of the existing parts there to Billy, who would come in and sing this part or that part. Um, just really, you know, very different approach. This this album's a very different, very different concept to anything else. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it, it's it's obviously it's going to blow people away. I, don't, I can't say too much about the actual project but it's there's so many little mini genres within this project that i mean a lot of the stuff i was referencing was very broad like see my references were you know things like bowie and the suite and queen um peter gabriel and things like that i was going for to create some of those really textural moments in songs like seer or um, you know tiger tiger like they had these big push and pull moments and panning mm-hmm. moments where it does this and that and sweeps over here and there. And so it kind of does a bit of mind bending for you. I like using vocals to be, um, to orchestrate a, an emotion that if, if there's something there, it's like, I like to, or I'm picking up on something here. I really like this melodic section here. Well, let's lean into it. And I'll, I might cover like some vocals over an existing synth line that's there because it's interesting to me. And I did, you know, I did that on a few songs on this new project too. And some songs it's like, that's great. And then sometimes some songs it's like, Billy's like, nah, mm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that there. <laughs> like, all right. But, you know, I, I always do, you know, I've learned, you know, this, especially this time around, it's like, I always do more background, create more background vocal parts than what he'll probably want or need. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so much easier to go, here's all these different ideas you might just like this and this, right, or you yeah. might just like it on this section and that section, and then nothing else, and just leave it as a blank slate. But here's all the things that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I'm still in my mind, I'm still like, well, I don't know if you're going to add more music over this section and this section and make these parts irrelevant. You know, right. I don't know. So yeah. when I'm, you know, I've again, like, when when I know that he's still sort of, you know, tinkering, Tinkering-y. I'm like, I don't know. So I do, again, I do the most amount that I can humanly do on a song pretty much without overwhelming it. Um, And then it's a matter of going like this, like this, or reeling it back or changing this or leaning into like this vibe or changing this note or pulling like, you know, like maybe one harmony line, taking that out so it became becomes a more open chord than being a full chord. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, he's very very particular about what he likes. and very particular about certain notes that he likes. Um, he likes to lean into more obscure harmony lines on and harmony parts in a lot of a lot of sections. I noticed, like, I might just sing like the whatever this the, you know whatever the stack is over this section. Then he's like, no, I want it to pull in this direction and turn up at the end of this phrase because mm-hmm. it creates a 
a noticeable point and I'm like, all right. So, I, you know, I, my goal always is to give him exactly what he wants mm-hmm. and he yeah. doesn't always know exactly what he wants but he knows what he, he knows what he wants when he knows and, like, it might be like, here's all these things to listen to. Well, I like that. I definitely like that. Let's adapt this to this and then he's all in. He's like, yep, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Um, he, he's very particular. Yeah, and what you just described about the use of the vocals that you and Sierra contributed on Seer, I mean, so much of it, as we talked about last time, it's it's you can't even really you can't even really describe it as backing vocals because it's it's yeah. it's like foreground, background, sideways, you know, like it, yeah. in a really it's orchestration. Yeah, it re- yeah. truly, yeah. Um, do it's you- one of the best parts of Seer for us. I know oh, that was yeah. one of the things that we loved about it and why we were excited mm-hmm. to hear that you two were back Yeah, for mm-hmm. this. Um, were you surprised? I'm oh, sorry, Pat, I didn't mean to cut you uh, off. No, but- I think I'm going in the same direction of just like, yeah. just kind of what... Um, it, and obviously you can't you know, give away real spoilers here, but is there a way to describe sort of like the difference between your and Sierra's contribution to this one as opposed to the previous album? Or honestly, we're fishing for we're fi- well, anything you could tell us about like just the dip, just what we can expect in a broad sense versus um, the previous album. Well, it's I mean it's 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 just as hands on. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I mean, my approach, I mean, I, I mean, I was tasked to do very, very much the same sort of thing, which is, you know, create the arrangements and fill in the gaps and accentuate points and bring a background vocals, anybody singing, anybody singing, whether it's lead vocal or background vocals, it always personalizes a song. Mm-hmm. When you hear a voice speaking to you, even if it's humming or singing or la la, whatever it is, it just makes it personal immediately. Um, you, you can read a lyric and read a lyric and as soon as you hear somebody say say something to you, you're like, okay, I'm paying attention now. So, the, you know, background vocals are a personal element to adding to a musical um, structure. So this being a concept record, it's it, it, my approach was to make sure that I'm not overusing that personalization and if it is something that I feel like, okay, I really hear this part here, I hear this arrangement, I hear this section here, I hear that this needs to be a more back and forth between the lead singer and the background vocal part, then then that's the section that I would write. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times where I just went, I learned from Sia and I learned really from Howard Willing a lot um, when I was initially working on that project and I'd worked on the first two songs and I remember playing some stuff to him first and he was like, you know, you you're not going far enough with these. And so I sort of, as soon as I found my feet with the first few songs, um, and the first few songs I think were Colour of Love, um, Tiger Tiger, and then I did um, Anna Satana. And once Billy heard my my rough arrangements, like because this was a, he didn't, you know, he wasn't exactly sure of what I was capable of, what I was doing, da-da-da. So I would send him like rough arrangements, have a listen to this. And once he'd heard like my rough arrangements and he was like, okay, now here's the rest of the songs, go to town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it became like, okay, I've got some, tr- I've got the trust here. Yeah. And, and I knew like, you know, I knew things are probably still going to change in the studio. I don't know. Cause it's terrifying. You've written all these sections and parts and all these songs. And it's not until you get to studio and studio day one that he's hearing 
this new thing and you're like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know if you're going <laughs> to like it. But this particular project, this new project, it was like, and here are all the songs. He hadn't heard one thing until like, and, and it's, this is how focused he is as a human being, Billy. Like, get in the studio and it's like, and Howard hadn't heard anything that I'd done either. And so, you know, day one in the studio, it's like, okay, well, let's play the song down, you know, blank, start to finish. Okay, now let's play with the, the temp background vocals. And then it was like, then he'd pinpoint, I like this, I like this, I like this, da, da, da. Or I don't mm-hmm. like that, take this out here, take that line out there. And he'd weave through sections and take out this or that or add this and that. Or we'd build things back up again. But it's knowing, it's knowing what you want, what you don't want, what works for the song and what works for the entire concept. So mm-hmm. it was a whole other thing. Whereas Sierra, I was very much working song to song, what works on the song, what works on the song, knowing it right. was all kind of in the same ballpark. Not mm-hmm. really, but it all belonged in the same. It's it's straight musically. I mean, there are some songs that really, you know, obviously stood out in a very different direction, like um, like Birch Grove. Yes, Birch Grove. That's a good one. That's a good one. And um, a Wrath. Yeah, Wrath was another one too. Um, and that took some building down and building back up. Like there were a couple of times where it's like, oh, we, you know, it's like I like that. That's not quite right. Or, you know, I don't like this, you know, this echo section. It's got to be right on the lyric with the lyric with the lead vocals. And it's like, okay, we're adapting that. And um, and then, you know, like what I was saying before, and then once once you have the arrangement or you've got you've demoed the arrangement back up or, you know, he's pulled up the arrangement of here's all the separated background vocal tracks, the temp ones that I've got. I like this, 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 and this, and then it's tracking. So then it's like, well, I want, you know, Katie's voice to do all this stuff and then it's bringing in Sierra for this line and this line or this section and this section or it's like, or she does all those parts too. And it, and it really varies from song to song what what parts and how involved both of us were. You know, some of the stuff it's like, I, you know, I went in and re-tempt or retract all the parts and it was like, meh. And or then Billy would come in and sing his parts, or Sierra would come in and sing this, take this section instead of me, or that section instead of me. And you know, he was always hunting for like the right vibe, mm-hmm. and like I don't feel it yet. And it's like it wasn't until I feel it, and then it, and then it pushes and pulls in the right way for him, and then it's like that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it just just interesting. Like his approach was similar this time to Sierra, but because it's a concept record all of those elements have to be taken in mind every time you're working on a song. What's mm-hmm. happening in the scene? What's happening here? What's what's this song about? What's the bigger picture? Um, right. In terms of the tracking order, is this too similar structurally to the to the song previous or coming after that? You know, so all of yeah. those things were taken into account to make sure that, you know, each, each song from song one to song <laughs> 33 – makes sense and we did it in a linear fashion we started on song one and went all the way through oh wow that's how it worked it was very very uh very long process (laughs) i mean it seems (laughs) like it yeah was there anything um were there any i don't know if there'd be an easy answer to this but like vocally in terms of collaborating with Billy and Howard and Sierra on this, were there any reference points of existing stuff, old records or, or, or vocals or moments of songs that you, I'm sure there were, but was there any like, you know, 
kind of sonic world you were you were pulling from or or, or giving nod whether it's sh- whether it's clear on the record or not whether it's apparent or yes. not was there anything well, you were pulling I, from that you could share well i can't i don't think i can share too much um specifically but i was given references um and some of those references did change as we went into actually sure. track. Yeah. But like I was given references um, like for this song and this song, like maybe like verse one through this section to be more like wh- whether it's Bowie or whoever. Mm-hmm. And then by the time it gets to this section, then it becomes more um, more queen or whatever, right, whatever, right. whatever the section is. Yeah. Or it becomes, you know, more psychedelic or it mm-hmm. becomes more Floyd. Yeah. Um, you know, then – you know, then it would be like on the next song. This one is now referencing. You know, it'd be the same thing. Like this one is more of a, you know, seventies Elton John style background vocal. Whatever the reference was for the section. And again, this mm-hmm. is all interpreting. I take the the reference right, right. and I'll interpret it. Yeah. It's not going to sound like Crocodile Rock necessarily. This is the yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> borrowing elements and like you know Bowie. I think Bowie said it best in an interview. He was talking about you know, being a collector of things and he's a collector of personalities. And I, I always mm-hmm. kind of think about that, like, musically, when you reference somebody, you're reference, referencing somebody who's referencing somebody. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, Bowie yeah. was also referencing this person and that person and that person and that artist. And but So I'm doing that game of everything is multi-layered. So yeah. even though I might yeah. be referencing, like, heavily re- referencing, whether it's, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of some other references that we we used. To, there's so many references on every song. Um, you know, whether it was you know pre, you know Judas Priest on this song, but then it's like in this section, it's more this, and it's like mm-hmm. okay. So it's me playing the interpretation game of how do I, how do I make something sound like those bands, but it won't. But right, what are they right. doing? That what are they doing that makes them sound like that? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Well, it's like, well, they're doubling this section here, or this is super stacked with doubles here, or it sounds like it is. It's more of a gang vocal, but it's panned out in this way, that way, and whatever. So, like, I always just take things like that and go, well, what can I do with that? How do I also translate that to female background vocals? How mm-hmm. do I make that sound tough still, you know, so that, you know, if I'm taking, if Billy's up here singing this super rock high part here, you know, taking a super dark and interesting under harmony makes it sound super, you know, super twisted in the right way. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm, we'll yeah. do that. <laughs> you know? And then again, I, you know, I always had Howard's voice in my in my brain at the same time going, you know, go further, go f- go as far down the rabbit hole as you can go with an idea, because mm-hmm. anything less is cheating is cheating everybody out of something great. And even if your idea isn't liked, like, you know, some of my stuff that I created for Seer, like maybe some of that stuff was you know, on certain songs, maybe other stuff was recreated or dumped or whatever. I don't care. I just know that I did everything that I thought was interesting for that song, everything that I thought leaned into the best or weirdest or most, you know, emphatic moments of the song. I, I always I learned to go as far as I can go with things, mm-hmm. knowing you can always reel it back. But it's right. harder to add more. Yeah. It's ha- it's ar- harder to make things sound bigger and better and whatever. I'd rather it be super big and dramatic when it needs to be and go, is that too much? And often when it was like something that was like a super powerhouse, big stack of a thing and, and I'm like, I don't know if that's too much. And then Billy would turn around and be like, well, do we triple track these parts or do we do six? 
<laughs> six of each part. So me thinking, I maybe I went too big with it. And he's going, no, let's go, f- you know, let's go further. Let's fan out all these background vocals and make them enormous. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that sort of stuff was a real. Um, going from Sia to this project, I learned a lot just to go go further. You know, mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Don't hesitate to go all the way down the rabbit hole, and I, and and I'm glad because it made it made me get through working on these songs, the pre, whatever you want to call it, pre-arrangement of these of these parts and made that go a lot quicker knowing if you don't think you've found it, you haven't found it. <laughs> if you right. don't think this yeah. part works, it doesn't work. Try something mm-hmm. else. Scrap it. Tear it down. Build it again. Right. Um, there's no harm. There's no harm in, and I did various teardowns on songs and, you know, one of, one of the songs in particular, um, like I tore it down, I think, two or three times, as in like, you know, build a section, oh, this is great, and then you listen to it again, you're like, eh, I don't like it anymore. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't great. And I ended up like tearing it down and then the third time I was like, well, I'll just add a little bit at the start here and then just go nuts and create something really bizarre at the end. Mm-hmm. And like I was sitting there and like, I, you know, you know, day one, as I said, we, you know, you listen down just to the song as it is and then you listen again with like my temp background vocals. And then as soon as it hits like the super weird section at the end and Billy's like, yep, I love that. And I'm right. like, you know, and I'll, I make eye contact with Howard and we're both like, who knew? <laughs> but you only got to that point from sort of tearing it down. Yeah, tearing it down. Yeah. Tearing yeah. it down and then going, well, where else can I reach into? Like, I'll just, mm-hmm. and because I hear, you know, I always hear things that aren't there and hear, you know, counter melodies of things or, you know, or if even if I hear something, as I said, that's happening musically, sometimes it's like, oh, I'll lean into that. I'll I'll sing that line. We'll sing the lyric of the song over that guitar line and see if mm-hmm. that works. I always just always try stuff, and yeah, you know, I never took I never took the same approach with any of the songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might feel similar, but then it's like, well, well, what can I do different? How can this? How can this attack in a different way? How can this right. build? How can that? How can the dynamic of the song work? So it doesn't feel like anything else. And so many of these songs, you'll get to obviously hear them once they once they come out. But oh my god, <laughs> we can't wait. I mean, this That's is this is like, excited. I, I, Sierra said we're gonna shit our pants or something. Like I mean, that. we probably <laughs> will. Thirty three times. I mean, it's so exciting to hear about this. I have a question that is just like, um, as someone who just as we're talking as we're describing, and I'm thinking of Sierra. And how kind of as as a non musician or as someone who who is you know super interested in music but doesn't have the same vocabulary as you guys do, were there are there are you and Billy um, and everyone working on this always able to say okay I want to uh, I need like some counter melody here or I need you know I need something specific here or do you often talk the way that I do where I'm sort of moving my hands around a lot and searching for the right word and say it needs a little more uh, uh, you know um, pepper or you know like do you know what I mean do you do you all do, like do is it always a very clear dialogue of like I need this you know more of this or is it often just kind of vibing each other out and um, you, you know what I mean like is it is it is it sometimes just searching for the thing and kind of, um, I don't know. You know, you know what I'm saying. Is there always? A I know. Good I know what you're it? saying. Um, it's honestly, it was different from song to song, and these are really on the parts where, where Billy was like, "I want 
it was either a tear down of a section or rebuilding a verse or whatever it is that we're doing. Or it's something I didn't write anything on because I didn't want to. I didn't feel like this particular section needed a thing. It just needed a break. And then Billy's like, no, 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 I want – it should be over something over here. And, like, one of two things would happen. Either I'd sit in the control room with him and Sierra and we'd be, you know, singing parts back and forth or he'd be singing parts back and forth or he'd pick up a guitar and sort of fiddle out a, a melody line and be like, can you sing that? And mm-hmm. then you sing it and you're like, that works or that doesn't work or change that note there go into the, you know, go into the tracking room, track the part, and he's like, I like it, I don't like it. Or I'll try all the things that he's asking and then I'll be like, what if I adapt this one note here? And then he's like, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's the part. Now let's do the part and then Sierra sing that part too or it's just like the part, it's just one one or two, tra- you know, tracks of this part. You know, it sometimes that's how it was. It was just in the room, organic, coming up with mm-hmm. like a counter melody. It was never like... I mean, sometimes, okay, there was a couple of times where it was just like, what do you hear? And a bit off, it was never like I'm in the tracking room just randomly singing stuff. Very often it's I'm in the control room with him and Howard and Sierra and we're just working out, you know, working out the best part over this section. Mm -hmm. And, again, it's always taking into context what's happened before, where are we going, going into the chorus. Okay, well, so it can't be too – you know, it can't be to this or to that or, you know, it's just got maybe it's got to be an under harmony so I'm sitting underneath what he's doing. So it's like then it hits the chorus and it's like this big bombastic whatever. You know, it depended on the song very much. Um, And it also depended on what he wanted to hear. As I said, he likes a lot of obscure harmonies. So it might be Mm -hmm. like I might be in the control room singing this thing and he's like, yeah, he's got a guitar and he's like, now land on this note. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. so I'm singing this very uh, fluid melody line or harmony line and then all of a sudden I end on that note because that's mm-hmm. interesting to him and that's what creates the the moment for him and it's all about creating the moment as he hears it because mm-hmm. what I hear and what he hears sometimes they're the same thing and sometimes they're not the same thing sometimes right. it's like taking this existing thing and he's just like no it's got to end here because it creates like a dissonance or a dynamic or it creates a, a lift off moment so that then when it hits this next section it feels it's it's leaving you wanting more, or it's right. lingering for whatever reason. I just, you know, or he's just like, I just like that note. And I'm like, mm-hmm. great, <laughs> you know, yeah. great. Yeah. Then that's if you if you are happy and that's the part. Okay, I'm going into the tracking room. Bye, and I'll go in there and go track whatever. You know, it it, it was a work in progress. Some of those little parts, um, or just adapting. Again, it might be like love this section, but this one note, and he'll pull out like out of the three or four parts in the stack. Okay, I like this. This one note here, that's a problem for me. I don't like where it goes here. So it's then adapting it so it moves or dips out or it's only present on line one and line three, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, very, spe- He's just very specific about what he wants, and right. he knows more so when he doesn't have it or when right. it's just too much, and he's like, it's too much, it's too thick, it's too whatever, and then it's just culling out, culling out a word here or there or a part here and there, and then it's like, okay, now that's super – you know, that's super lean and powerful and I like that now. That works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. it wasn't vibe. There wasn't too much of just vibing it out. Just try, Not just throwing random stuff at the way. You guys were folk. You were, folk, you were trying. Yeah, not, not a jam. Really. Not a jam. Not really because, like, I mean, any stuff that I felt like I was jamming out, I'd already sort of created all those weird right. jammy moments. And in songs where they leaned a bit more, 
I don't know, a bit more creative towards the end or an outro. Maybe there was a section and I'm trying some different stuff. And he's like, cool. So maybe we're in the tracking room and he's like, well, where else can you go with that note at the very end of the song? So I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I'll hit this note instead. And it's like, great, that's it. You know, it wasn't so much of like, randomly getting out there i mean that doesn't seem like your style i mean it feels like you guys are both you it doesn't seem like your style or billy's style to just sort of show up empty-handed certainly but it seems like you do a lot of work and then those happy accident moments there's room for that yes you know room for really pleasant there's always there's always there's always room for movement there's always room for adjustment and there are, is, and I'm not discounting, there are moments where you'll just go out and you randomly go through and sing, okay, this part, this part, this part, then it becomes this other part. Um, but there wasn't too much like ad lib situations because right. that's not what, um, it's not what my job in this project really mm-hmm. was. Right. Um, he knows it's more about parts and the moment and building it. Anything that he wanted to add that was more of a like a, overdub or a moment or whatever like he went in and tracked a few things like that like oh i'll sing uh, now i've got an idea i'm going to sing this part here and it's like great mm-hmm. um you know i'm always up like the more he sings on the record the better just because he's got a great voice and his texture adds to something else that you know 100 women can't sing together and create what he does with his voice it's just this he, as soon as he sings it's like whoa it's just, just huge yeah. but yeah i mean there was just there was so much uh it was just so much work to do that, right. I mean, it still surprises me that we got through it all because, like, we were only, like, I think it was, like, week one and we're like, oh, my God, there's still, like, 20 more songs or there's still 25 more songs. I was <laughs> like, oh, my God. But then, you, you know, you started to get into a groove and you, you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Did, were you, uh, did you know that you were going to be part of this project or was this kind of, like, a decision he made further down or was this, like, when he started making it being like, we're going to have you in down the road? Well, I had it, you know, I had an inkling that I may be involved with, you know, a few, I, th- I just thought, oh, it'll be a few songs or yeah. whatever. Cause like I didn't know what the type of record was um, or what it was going to be. Um, and then once I sort of heard more word about it being, you know, a longer record, a concept record, and then it became, okay, it's now 33 songs and it's going to be this and this. And, you know, then being asked if I wanted to do, you know, background vocal arrangements for it. Again, I was thinking like, okay, you know, it's a concept record. Maybe it only needs, you know, background vocals on this song or that song or just a you know, handful. Then it became like all of them. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bigger number than five. Um, but, you know, but once I got to hearing it, I'm like, of course this needs more vocals because this is a concept and this is, telling stories and there are scenes and this is happening and that's happening and that. And so again, it's like playing, playing to each song and creating something for each song that's different from the next song and different from the song prior. That was really the focus. And again, I had references that I followed as in like this part in this section and this, and then lean more into this in this section and um, super helpful. I mean, I didn't really know the scope of, like, the full concept. And, again, I can't say too much about what this project is really about until I was – I think I was already done with creating stuff. And then I'm like, oh, that makes – now that song makes sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Um, So that will make sense to you as you 
you know, as this project un- un- unfolds to you and unravels to you and you learn more about it. But, like, I, I didn't know the scope of what this really was until, you know, I was done with the project and then I found out more about what it was in the studio while we were tracking. And I'm like, great. Mm-hmm. He's very protective of his art and that's why I mean, I'm being super – I'm explaining things about the particulars of what I did in the studio, but, like, mm-hmm. I have to be very um, short and vague about the actual concept of what things are because – He's so protective of his art, and he should be. Um, yeah. Again, this t- this has taken, what, you know, almost two years to make. It's like you you don't want to kind of bugger it up by, you know, saying too much about something, you know, at the wrong time to the wrong people. It's like uh, the wrong people um, being these two guys. Us. No, just kidding. We're- <laughs> the, these guys. No, we we um I we wanted to ask you about um. You know, it, it, it's something that, it, you know, maybe you don't fully know yet, but just touring, just your own touring, mm-hmm. um, if you have plans for that. But just it, it, while on the subject of your contribution to the to the last two Pumpkins albums, which obviously with the Seer album, you know, COVID, they weren't able to do a proper tour of that album. So theoretically, uh, the next time the Pumpkins are able to tour do a full you know they've they've performed which is mm. awesome and we're we're going to see them in um in may uh, out here mm-hmm. um theoretically it would make sense for you and sierra to be part of that show right because you you were such a big part of the previous album and um this album and i know you you know who knows what'll happen with that or you know maybe you don't know or you can't share but do you think about at all in with billy um the live version of what a live version of these songs would look like? Well, it's, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I've, I've thought about what a live show would look like, especially for Sia, cause I've had time to sort of think on that. Um, there are so many vocals on that album, like so mm-hmm. much that I still think that when, when it comes about that, I mean, I imagine at some point I'll be back touring with the band. I don't know when exactly just yet. I never know when until I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And often that's like, you know, a couple of months before and it's like um, you know, that's just how that's just how things go. And I'll come, you know, I'll I'll say yes to whatever they want me to do. I'll just be like, Yep, whatever it is, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. Um I imagine that it's still because the songs are so thick with vocals, there's one of two ways you go about it, which is leaning it out for a live version and creating like the best counterpoint melodies i mean even with um even with playing like some of the stuff off the um off the rick rubin record um playing songs like knights of malta which i was playing piano on and singing on and obviously we did um colbert you know the colbert show and like he Mm -hmm. brought in background vocalists to do um take on so much of the weight of that but even live um when we toured that for the shiny the shiny tour and no, it was the European tour we played that on. Sorry, my mistake. I mean, I just took on like the strongest lead harmony Mm -hmm. that I could in songs like that, just to really kind of punch it through and just sung as hard as I could. And it was funny after we finished those shows in Europe and obviously we then did the American leg and played those shows with um, Noel Gallagher. I remember having conversations with uh, Jimmy and Billy and, and they were both like, this is like the best that this song has been. Like they mm-hmm. liked the live version 
as much as they did the recorded version in a totally different way because mm-hmm. it was leaned out and just it came across as a bit more powerful for some reason. Right. Um, so I wouldn't discount it being a leaner version of a, of a harmony stack. I also wouldn't discount it being something where there's a few background vocals and backing tracks and I'll take, sure. like, and I'll take a predominant yeah. harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever works for the song so that the song isn't cheated out of its most powerful form. Right. And, like, we have the technology and the band play so – they play everything live and it, it was surprising even on the Shiny tour where, like, obviously I can hear stuff and when, when we're playing to click and when we're, not, when we're not playing to click and I'm just, like, still, like, there was a lot of songs that weren't to click and were just, like, what they were and it's, like, you know, that's – that's I, I you can say, oh, that's cool, whatever – for a band like this playing these super complicated songs, that's a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Playing in an arena not to click while you've got, you know, either a light show or screens or whatever it is, you know. I mean, a lot of the songs that was coming out and, like, I'm starting a song or I'm playing keys and starting, like, this whatever song and I'm just like, okay. So it's, you know, it's not to click. It's not like, oh, I'm not hearing the click. No, it's not to click because I'm starting yeah. the song. So it's it's hard to know what you could do with these songs, but I know that there are different ways you could go about it, mm-hmm. and, and and that would all be the right. That would all be the right thing, because mm-hmm. I know that sometimes playing with with this background vocals in a track, sometimes it's, it comes across as weird. But like yeah. I always think about bands like, and this is oh, you'll laugh at my reference, but I always think about bands like Aerosmith, mm-hmm. and Steven Tyler is the only one that sings. So those big like, there's always like think of songs like Love in an Elevator and stuff like that, and you're like all these big vocals and just like, right, okay, yeah. they're all on backing track. They always, they yeah. always have been. It's a good yeah. point. Um, I, I, yeah. I, it's like, but you don't obvious think about that. You, yeah. You don't think about it, but now that you say it, it's yeah. He's you, the other, yeah. there's no, there's no other band member contributing. Yeah. But, so, yeah. so it can, it can work. And if to me, if a background part is super important to the integrity of the song, it has to be there. And whether I'm on tour or not on tour with the band, they'll make it work. Mm-hmm. They'll make it. They'll they'll either you know filter down the background vocal you know tracks that exist, or they'll filter it down to a simpler version of that and use that live or whatever. I just I can see that it it could work in various ways, but I can't right. say what's yeah. going to happen on, on tour because I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I would yeah. love to be involved. Um, I, I would love to hear these songs live. Yeah. Um, yeah. anything from Sear and obviously these new songs. Oh my god, yeah. but um. Yeah, it, I do feel like we've been – it's not cheated out of a tour, but cheated out of even just me hearing what they do with these songs live. Like, I'd love yeah. to hear where they go with it. Right. It's been cool to hear some of them. Which songs have you heard? Well, because we heard Seer uh, at uh, a couple of the festival shows, and they used the oh, backing yes. vocals yes. on that, the pre-recorded um, – but like also with um, like color of love, uh, and then recently acoustically he played a couple of um, Seer tracks like Ana Sultana oh, and yeah I it was really cool to hear it acoustic some yeah, of those I songs can acoustic because it was just like oh yeah right because the bones of these songs are incredible too and what he does with it and builds it up is really cool yeah. to see uh, with yeah. something like that but definitely hearing those songs live one because it's exciting to hear the new stuff live when you've heard the other songs forever but it's also really cool to see how they interpret it and to hear the people who are like oh i guess there is guitar on this when it's like yeah it was always there it was always there i've i've i remember reading and hearing comments from fans about like 
lack of guitar and this and that. And it's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, just because you can't audibly hear this and that doesn't mean that that's not the bones of the actual track and that it's not sitting there and then maybe a synth part is sitting over it and carrying it through. It doesn't mean it's not yeah. there. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's everyone has their different idea about who a band should be. And honestly, as I can Especially speak, I can definitely, yeah, I can speak for the Pumpkins and speak for Billy and say they don't. They'll do whatever they do. They can. Yeah, they're yeah. one of those few bands that can literally pivot in any direction and just be like, "This is what we're doing now," because because we want to. Mm-hmm. That's something we discovered doing this podcast. Is like I think something that we kind of didn't understand before, or we we knew but didn't quite get the full scope of where we had this like kind of aha moment doing this podcast by going through these albums, and we're not even through you know uh, a lot of it we're just now past you know uh uh the zwan stuff but even that is just being like oh now we get it as you, you know yeah, as you Bowie, do prince like yeah, yeah just kind of like yeah just kind of following that 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 desire and people seem to have an idea of like oh pumpkins is only this and it's like well then you haven't been paying attention and every album yeah. that changes because people yeah. say, like people tend to 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 reference some some time when it was like oh they sounded how they should or how they used to but it's like that was always in flux and that is you know what makes yeah. a, a band interesting to follow yeah. over decades totally yeah totally um, well, last time we spoke, um, we talked about, you know, early in your career, how you kind of um, put sort of intentionally put things out into the universe of people you wanted to work mm-hmm. with. Um, we were just curious if there's anything that you want to manifest in 2022 or beyond any new kind of goals or dreams that you're you want to if you want to use this as the platform to, to put it out into the universe. Um, We'd be happy to to help you with that. I honestly, it's 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 funny because I used to aspire to like working with this person or that person, and now I'm at the point in my life where I've I've done so much stuff that I was so far beyond what I thought I could even conjure or manifest, or mm-hmm. you know, to use your your words, I don't even know how. F- far to reach anymore i'm just happy to i think it's just smarter just to reach in every direction (laughs) and just Just go open well what's what's there i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah just be open to it and i mean i i think the more i'm just honest with myself and try and create art that i'm really proud of Mm -hmm. the more that tends to lead me into better directions in general right um yeah because, like, I, you know, I obviously, you know, wanted to manifest working with Howard being when I was based in Australia. But, like, everything else that's happened beyond moving to America and, you know, again, touring with, you know, Glenn Campbell and recording with him and, you know, Chris Christopherson was on one of my records and then I've opened shows for, you know, a bunch of other artists and then working with, you know, Billy Corgan and the Pumpkins and all this other random stuff and, having traveled to, you know, you know, dozens of countries and, I mean, I don't, I never thought I'll I'll just manifest all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it. I just thought as soon as I started to go, again, that what else can I do? Just because I'm I'm not aware that I could do any of that stuff. So what else am I? What else could happen? I'm just open to it and I'm, again, I'm 
super grateful for just my position and I'm not trying to be like sappy about it. I'm just, it became, once I'd done so much stuff on tour and traveled so much and there's a lot of, you know, strange beauty to be found in the world and and just appreciating the moment and gratitude very much becomes a habit if you do it all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm just happy just to be where I am and I try to just, you know, collect little moments of joy and bring them into what I'm doing. I know because some of my art and some of my music is like, you know, again, like you, you've heard the new single and, you know, it's not super happy, happy ever after stuff, but it's, it's true and it's honest and it, mm-hmm. as long as it hits you in the heart in some way and just go, even if, even if it's not like, oh, I can totally relate to that, it's like I feel that. And that's, right. that's always the goal, just to be as um, honest as I can be because otherwise who's, what, what's the point? Right. What's the point of any of this if you're not telling, you know, some sort of truth? Um, and that's really what artists are best at doing creating an, an experience where you can either lean into it and go, me too, or something to totally escape your reality to, oh, what's that story? Let's, what's that about? Okay, I'll go, go there for a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's my job. So I, I'm best at doing that when I'm in a better state of mind, when I'm zen, when I'm clear, when I'm happy, when I'm grateful. Um, other rock stars maybe do it in a different fashion and they're just like, you know, all about the, the complete opposite of that. But for me, I'm like, I'm best when I'm when I'm really tuned in. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to create more of that. I mean, that's, I don't know what I can manifest next. Maybe some more cats. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't want to manifest more cats in 2022? Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, where can people, um, where's the best way for people to support your music, to to purchase your music to um yeah wh- where do you want to point people to to check out your your upcoming stuff and your new single that's out now um best place i suppose would be um my main website is katiecoleofficial.com all my socials link off that um, but i'm on facebook almost everything's Katie Cole official on all the socials except for twitter which is Katie Cole music because it's got a check mark on it and I can't change the name or I'll lose the check mark. No, no way. Um, <laughs> no way. Um, but yeah, best. I mean, I, it's me running all the socials. I always tell people, so say hi, drop me a line. If there's something you really like that's resonated with you, let me know. Cause I'll respond and be like, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciate that. But I like to hear from people. Um, and again, it's the best way to find where like my next, you know, live stream will be. I am. I do have actual shows coming up, like in Nashville. I have a show on the twenty um, fifth um, at, at a place called the Sutler. I. Pl- I mean, I have a couple of shows at places that I feel safe playing at, mm-hmm. but I still yeah. don't. I'm not doing lots of stuff. Um, just still for that reason of like stuff is weird. It's never not right. going to be weird anymore. Um, but yeah, best way is just, I suppose, just go to the website, find a few things, watch a few videos, listen to a few songs. I'm on Spotify and Apple and all that good stuff. So whichever streaming service you use, um, follow me there. Listen to all my stuff thousands of times if you could. That'd be ace. Um, <laughs> subscribe to all my channels, YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, because I do have a, a visualizer coming out, which is like a short video for this song that will be coming out um, soon as well. Nice. So, 
Yeah, well, we will uh, we will keep you all posted. We will be sharing uh, Katie's new stuff on our socials. And uh, best of luck tonight at your un Valentine's Day show. Um, is there any song that you that you're gonna uh, any breakup song that you wanted to share that you're gonna be this will this will have already happened by the time uh, this episode yeah, comes out. It'll but be about a week just after. for us. <laughs> oh, I'm doing I'm doing um, Love Bites by Def Leppard. Oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> love Def Leppard. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> Great. This, this, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy set list. But no, I appreciate you guys. It's so nice to to chat with you guys and actually to see your faces this time via via the yeah. zooms. The good people at Zoom. <laughs> um, well, thank yeah, thank you so much, Katie. You're welcome back anytime. Um, you and Sierra are make up our um, your return guests. You're our, and we couldn't have asked for better return guests. So um, yeah, please come back anytime. Keep us posted and. Everybody out there, check out Katie's stuff um, at all the places she just mentioned. And until next time, Frank, I guess it's time to wish everybody a fond farewell. And, and good night. Zoom doesn't like harmonizing. No, it doesn't. 